Well, as you probably know, investments can be confusing already. Do we need to change what we call different types of exchange-traded funds to be a little more truthful? Or is that really the issue at all? You thought naming sports stadiums was big money. We're talking renaming investment types in the battle that's heating up with our friend George Kurtica from Joust on today. That's May 21st, Money with Friends. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast, coming to you live again, shockingly, from my mom's half-finished basement outside Detroit, Michigan, where we make Stacking Benjamins. I'm Joe Saul Cihai. Hey, and uh, from Portland, Oregon, I'm George Kurtica. Where you where you hang out at home, because that's a cool thing to do, right? That's all, all we do is hang out at home now. <laughs> this <laughs> Grow is... our hair long and hang out at home. <laughs> my, my whether I want it, George, is uh, nothing in front and party in the back, even though I'm not really going for that look. It seems to be just the way my hair grows. Uh, uh, mine tur turns into more of an Einstein out on the outside here, but uh, thankfully I'm wearing headphones today. That, that's why I wear mine too. That's the secret to this thing. This is the podcast where we cover recent stories. We don't just talk about hair. We cover recent <laughs> stories ripped from the financial press. Today we're going to tackle one from Investment News. Not only do we read them like some podcasts do, but we also dive into how they affect your wallet, what you can do to invest, save, and pay down debt more effectively. And if that's not enough, we're also going to share a big idea at the end of today's show you can take with you to be better with money the rest of your day, all in usually less than 20 minutes. Today's show is brought to you by Ubiquity Retirement and Savings. Good news, uh, Northern Michigan and a lot of places in Michigan opening up here uh, on the verge of Memorial Day weekend. And as businesses open up, they're going to need employees. And if that's your business, you're going to want Ubiquity Retirement and Savings because more than ever, a good 401k plan for your small business and employees could be the differentiator between people going to work for you or for somebody else. They offer a simple online retirement solution that starts at just $75 a month. As we look toward an uncertain future, get ahead of the unexpected with help from Ubiquity's team of experts. Visit myubiquity.com to learn more. That's M-Y-U-B-I-Q-U-I-T-Y.com to learn more. And back here for his triumphant victory lap. Two more shows left with him. I'm sad about that because we've had a lot of fun. George Kurtica's back. How are you, man? A lot of fun. Um, yeah, I've been good. You know, um, we're we're busy, busier than ever. Um, got um, you know, not much I can talk about, but the you know, Joust is 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 uh, you know going through a little bit of a transition, and and we we've, we've been um, you know approached for acquisition, so it's really good news. Um, can't can't tell too much more you know uh, details, but um, it's uh, it's really exciting and stressful, but exciting nonetheless. I, I, by the way, we told everybody, Bobby and I told everybody this weekend that you may have big news today, but sadly you do have big news, but you yes, can't share it yet. But that's all I can share. Yes. I'm embargoed, <laughs> uh, to use the proper term from, from sharing any of the details, uh, by my lawyers. But, um, yeah, it's exciting. Listen, any, I think any, uh, entrepreneur will tell you that you have to roll with the punches. COVID-19 was, uh, was a hell of a thing to happen to us, to, to other companies, small businesses, you know, we are a small business, you know, we're 10 people and, um, any kind of exit, you know, I think in this market, in this market, in this economy is, is a good one, especially one where I can retain my team, grow the team, have a bigger balance sheet to work with, uh, to grow our products. So we're super excited. That is awesome. Well, I can't wait to hear more, but for now I have some other good news. We, you and I get to look at a piece from investment news. I know pinch yourself, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm excited about it. Yes. Really. I did a lot of research on this last night. So awesome. I'm amped. 
Well, we're going to see if we can make George sweat, but first we're going to see which one of our friends is going to help us kick off today's show. This is Tim from the Faith and Finances podcast. It's time for today's headlines only at Money with Friends. All right. As I mentioned earlier, today's piece comes to us from Investment News. This is an industry website for people like financial advisors, financial planners, uh, industry insiders. Uh, Investment giants try to reshape the exchange-traded fund market. This originally came from Bloomberg News. An effort by investment giants, including BlackRock, to redefine the $4 trillion universe of U.S. exchange-traded funds has the industry's smaller players bristling. The push to reclassify funds into four separate categories looks like a move by the biggest providers to further cement their dominance, the critics argue, and risks confusing retail investors in the ever more complex world of passive markets. Under proposals sent to exchanges this week by a coalition of the largest asset managers, a host of products would lose their exchange-traded fund designation. They'll no longer be called ETFs, becoming instead exchange-traded instruments notes or commodities they've decided they want to monopolize the etf label for only uses they declare says rob nestor president of direxion one of the largest issuers of leveraged and inverse etfs which will become etis if the plan succeeds it's just going to sow confusion for investors and basically serve the interest of the largest providers in the space yeah so the consortium pressing for the changes which in addition to blackrock includes street corp vanguard group Charles Schwab Corp, Fidelity Investments, and Invesco Limited says the four distinct categories will boost investor awareness of the different risks. The six firms together make up more than 90% of the U.S. ETF market, according to data compiled by Bloomberg. The industry has come under scrutiny in recent months as the coronavirus pandemic roiled markets. Regardless, this long-standing push which would result in the vast bulk of funds from big issuers retaining their ETF classification, is leading the smaller players up in arms. What they're trying to do is corner the market on the ETF brand, said Alfred Eskandar, co-founder of Salt Financial. It's just the big trying to get even bigger. It's funny because that doesn't seem to be at first blush when I first read that. I'm like, why Why is that really important? Why is this naming thing important? And then you look at how hard it is for an exchange traded fund to actually get on the map. And actually, George, if you don't mind, I'm going to tell just a little story. We had a, we had a a brand that we work with on on our Stacking Benjamin show. It was called the Buzz Index. And it was this really cool index. And by the way, the Buzz Index is still an index that you can track. There no longer is an ETF that tracks it. The ETF is gone because they couldn't get enough assets to be picked up by one of the major places where people will buy them, like the Fidelity platform or the Schwab platform or one of one of these many, many, many platforms. So you have to be able to get assets to get big assets, which means it's kind of a chicken the egg thing. You can't get assets unless you have assets, but you can't get assets without 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 assets. And what's funny is this index was an index that tracked buzz on the internet and had a fantastic track. And by the way, still does, even though the index, it's, even though the ETF has been gone for maybe a year and a half or two years, uh, still has a phenomenal track record of predicting, uh, putting together these, this, this mix of investments that historically outperform stuff, just the, the wisdom of the crowd. Right. Um, because it was a small player, though, they couldn't get anywhere. And so when I look at it through that lens, I start seeing what these guys are talking about here. 
if if you call if you call a uh, ticker symbol IVV the S and P five hundred index, if you call that an ETF, but you call the direction product, which maybe skews it a little bit so that they might be able to get some eyeballs looking at it, but you call it something else, it confuses investors more, and they're like, well, that's not an ETF, so I'm not going to invest in it. Yeah. And, and I read the, um, you know, the letter that was, um, that was sent, uh, to CBOE and, uh, you know, essentially, essentially it's, it, it does, it screams like, um, you know, trying to, uh, you know, obviously control this, this, this branding, this ETF branding and, and, um, you know, I, I guess ETF launched in 1993, and and so you know you're talking about massive growth, right? Assets under management globally from 79 billion in 2000 to 5.1 trillion in March. So you know that's huge, and and you can understand that there are now complex ETFs, right? There's uh, narrower ETFs, there's inverse <laughs> ETFs, there's levered ETFs, and so I get their argument. I, I honestly do. Um, you know, someone who's uh, worked for a big bank, which uh, funny enough, JP Morgan is not even on this, right? So they're considered small in this, in this regard. And, and, you know, I think at the end of the day, what's going to happen here, it's going to be like, um, an analogy. I always like to go back to wine analogies. It's going to be like champagne and sparkling wine, right? You can only get champagne in champagne, France. If it comes from champagne, France, right. sparkling wine is the same thing. Uh, but you, you know, it comes from California or wherever else, but you can't call it that. So I think people are still going to call things ETFs no matter what, but I also don't know if, you know, FINRA or, you know, anyone else is going to take up the regulatory position in order to, to monitor this, even if it did pass. So, um, interesting though, shot across the bow to some of the smaller players. Imagine what, what BlackRock would get to say though, in CNBC interviews, George, they would say, uh, well, here's what you have to do. Those things that are riskier, they don't say ETF. If you really want the passive straightforward play, you have to look for the ETF designation. Um, really kind of play, yeah, kind of playing it off. Like it's the CFP or, you know, uh, uh, something, you know, uh, uh, a CPA designation. Well, if it has the ETF designation, that means it's, it's, it's a blue blood. I mean, but it's yeah. funny that you make that, you make that sparkling versus uh, champagne or Chianti versus Sangiovese. I mean, same, yeah, same thing. Yeah. I love that analogy. Yeah, well, you know that's that's uh, wine analogies for what I like, but um, <laughs> but I but I do I do think that uh, you know listen I, I also want to look at this from a from a uh, an entrepreneur who runs a fintech company lens, you know um, there's a lot of investment apps that are out there right you know I think about how um, you know Acorns maybe transformed the uh, round up the change into a low cost ETF portfolio and I think that's great people know ETFs right then you know if you get smarter you probably know about Vanguard. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's going to detract many, like, uh, you know, what I would call com um, uh, your regular consumer investors to go in there and, and invest in sort of a blended ETF portfolio that's low risk. And uh, but but you're still going to have folks that are, you know, maybe, um, you know, ready for like some higher risk things. Like I think a lot a, a big thing around like why they wanted to rebrand this also was um, was the oil ETF that that sort of tanked after after oil went down, you know, the last couple of uh weeks. And so it's like, that's, that would be an exchange traded commodity in this new world. And because it's a commodity, maybe it carries more risk. And 
Hey, you know, like uh, I'm all for labeling things that have more risk, right? Like we do it with cigarettes, we do it with alcohol, you know, maybe we should start doing it with, uh, with investment products, uh, you know, and, and again, in consumer banking, which is my sort of area of expertise, things like truth and lending act and, and, you know, the CFPB is, are, are great analogies to say, Hey, when more people are doing this, we should probably warn more people about the risks of it. But do you guys ever feel like at Joust that the big banks are getting special treatment from the powers that be that, you know, bank of America gets some special treatment that you don't get. Oh, no way. Yeah, of course they do. Yeah. They get a ton <laughs> of special treatment. Uh, yeah. I mean, listen, when you're, um, you know, the Goldman Sachs, right. And, and, you know, there's a reason why they call them government sacks. Um, I do think that, um, that big banks do get, you know, preferential treatment. We saw with the PPP loans, we saw, you know, they were even in the second round of PPP loans, they were able to queue up um, thousands of applications while all of the other community and regional banks, not just fintech companies, were sitting on the sidelines waiting to submit one application. And so they got in trouble for that and they were able to create different windows for smaller banks to get access to the SBA portal. But yeah, I mean, that, it, this is just what it is. It's, it's you know, you've got, um, you know, folks like BlackRock and, and, and the rest of the folks on the letterhead there um, that essentially writing rules for regulatory agencies. And listen, that's the way it's always been. And that's the way it's been in consumer banking. It's the way it's probably always going to be, um, you know, folks who, uh, who are really good in sort of the regulatory world often get recruited out to go work for some of the larger financial institutions yeah. because they're easier at interpreting rules, you know? We may, we may need to be a little clearer. We're, we're hanging out live on our uh, Stack of Benjamins Facebook page. If you want to hang out with us while we make the show, it's facebook.com forward slash iStackBenjamins. And uh, uh, Kevin asks, who's pushing for this change? To be clear again, it's a consortium of a few of the biggest exchange-traded fund companies. So it's BlackRock, which includes State Street, huge on their own right, uh, Vanguard, Charles Schwab, Fidelity and Invesco. They're trying to separate exchange traded funds into four distinct categories of funds. And by the way, the ETF label pretty much owned, like what would be the ETF label would be pretty much owned by those those places. And then they, you know, the smaller players would kind of be, be mostly in the, in the other places. Uh, and, and Jennifer says it would, uh, it would be like Kleenex instead of facial tissue. Right. Yeah. What are they hoping to get out of this change? Here's, here's what, so it depends. Uh, there's two things, uh, Jen. Number one is what George is talking about is some truth in advertising. If you go for an oil ETF, it's not the same as buying a broad-based, more conservative ETF. So that's what they're pushing it through as. However, the small guys are going, you guys already control the world of ETFs. It's a way for you to control the naming. So it it, it, it pretty much makes it so that if you're not buying something that has this particular label on it, exchange traded fund, they can go on media and wherever else and say, you know what, this is a, this is an inferior product or it's a different product. You definitely want to buy the ones that we have, not the ones they have. Now, why is this a big deal? This is why I think it's a big deal, George, is that we were even talking before coronavirus, so many investors going passive, right? So many investors going passive and Dr. Um, uh, uh, Michael Burr, uh, who's the guy from um, from uh, uh, the Big Short talking about um, talking about if everybody goes passive, uh, these four companies a pricing becomes an issue. 
uh, and we don't need to get into that today. But the second thing that becomes an issue, these, these six companies inadvertently will control the voting on most of the biggest stocks in America. And all of a sudden you've got six companies where if they decided to could put their heads together and pretty much control the biggest companies in the United States. Sounds like OPEC. Uh, so you're talking about a cartel. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that's absolutely, absolutely spot on, right? I think, uh, you know, you have a situation here where, um, you know, folks are becoming passive. ETFs are easy. It's how people sort of first get into, you know, investing low cost ETF, you know, you know, um, people have moved a lot of folks I know have moved from money market, you know, funds to ETF funds. And, Pricing is a, is a big thing, right? I think the transparency around pricing, but yeah, I mean, think about this. If you're controlling like, you know, these, these four or five companies that are going out and buying stocks and putting in these ETF portfolios, and, and yeah, I think it's going to be, um, you know, almost like a, like a, like an OPEC style cartel where you can control the price of, of, you know, and the value of stock in the market. Cause Listen, there's not that many, like, what is it, like maybe 20 or less than that, 20% that actually go out to the rest of the market. It's almost like 80% is, is owned by these guys. So, yeah, yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's um, it's it's going to be interesting. I think, you know, BlackRock is no stranger to doing this. They tried something similar in 2017. And, you know, one thing that I read is like, who's going to police this? Is it going to be the New York Stock Exchange? Is it going to be FINRA? You know, that's the other thing is you had to create a regulatory agency in order to do this. Otherwise, I could take a bunch of investments and repackage it and package it again and call it an ETF under these rules. There there are loopholes that are going to be giant that you could drive through. And I, and I do think that, um, you know, it, that's another thing is it, wherever there's regulation, there's going to be lots of loopholes. And, you know, uh, again, I think it, I think it's it's going to be hard without a, a policing of, yeah. you know, of this type of thing. What a what a mess. What a what a totally. mess. Definitely, definitely more to come there. Um, in just a second, George and I are going to have a takeaway from today's show. But first, want to say a big thanks to Ubiquity Retirement and Savings for supporting Money with Friends. Time to start thinking about your retirement again. If you're going back to work, you're a small business owner. Now more than ever is the time to consider offering a way for your employees to prep for the future. Ubiquity makes it easy to empower your team with retirement benefits on your terms and within your budget. In just a few clicks, you can see 401k plans designed by experts online or talk to them and tailor a plan that meets your specific needs and the needs of your employees. Ubiquity's affordable flat fee plans start at just $75 a month. So whether you're a solopreneur or have 100 employees, everybody gets the same exceptional service at ubiquity visit myubiquity.com that's m-y-u-b-i-q-u-i-t-y.com to learn more and um it is exciting seeing people go back to work george that is exciting yeah it really is um you know i think uh, we had that triple whammy you know this weekend of uh, the fed chair and and you know states reopening and then some of the coronavirus um uh, vaccines looking promising and i think that 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 lifts the spirits uh, all, all in all it certainly does the fact i might be able to go outside again besides <laughs> besides on a run is going to be going to be great i crave eating at a restaurant i have to tell you i i know i, I, know. I crave it uh so uh what's our big takeaway here george yeah, I mean, listen, I think the big takeaway for me is um, without proper regulatory oversight, just putting forth a proposal uh, to, to rebrand, um, you know, risky ETFs um, isn't really going to it's going to fall flat on its face. Now, now the, the message has been sent. Right. 
uh, smaller smaller uh, firms are, are starting to wonder, you know, is this really going to be the future? Is this going to be dominated by these these major players? And and they'll start fighting back and pushing back. I mean, we're talking about the likes of J.P. Morgan who have been left off of this, uh, and they're no small, um, you know, bank. Uh, you know, at all. So what we're going to see here is I think, you know, a continual push by some of the larger guys to, to take ownership of the ETF brand. And uh, we'll have to wait and see uh, if the consumer or the purchaser of ETFs will change their habits because you can call it an ETI or an ETC, but I think, uh, you know, it, most folks would probably just continue to call them ETFs and, and treat them as such. So um, we'll see the devil's in the details. That's my takeaway. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And that was actually my takeaway was to kind of bring this down to a personal finance level. You know, while on first glance, this looks like it could be a great thing and it could, you know, George, what you were talking about, it could help people discern from the between the truly passive stuff and stuff that might be passive, but more aggressive or partially passive. And as we have these nuances, nuanced versions of exchange traded funds, it could possibly help investors. But there's also something without getting into good guys and bad guys, there are also always unintended consequences. And and whenever you look at the, you know, it's horrible how much I go back to Stephen Covey. And I'm going to apologize to everybody again, but I can't help it. But Stephen Covey said it before I did. You pick up one end of the stick, you pick up the other end too. And you always got to think about if I pick up this end of the stick, what comes along with it? And I think there's a bunch of unintended consequences that could that could come here. But I also think it reminds us too that that whether the name changes or not, how important it is to know what the heck your investing is. Cause if, cause George, if we take these guys at face value, it, it really is still important to know what the difference is between an S and P 500 basic exchange traded fund and a three X commodity futures, you know, coffee futures <laughs> ETF inversely correlated right. e e ETF <laughs> or whatever it might be like knowing that stuff before you invest is still really important. Hugely important. Um, that's why, you know, people, everyone I know here reads their prospectuses, right? Absolutely. Probably not. Uh, they, put, they put me to <laughs> so sleep. So it is good to maybe be a little bit educated when it, when it comes to that. <laughs> they put me to sleep so well. Uh, uh, so when the big news comes and you can talk about it, where will people find you and you'll be broadcasting the big joust news? Yeah, well, you could still find us at joust.com, and uh, that is going to be that way for, for you know, foreseeable future. So joust.com, and uh, stay tuned. We've, we're going to have some great news to share, exciting new products, and uh, a new, uh, the, I, I want to call them, I keep wanting to call them corporate overlord, but uh, they're just a startup <laughs> too, so it's going to be great. We're going to keep the same vibe. <laughs> awesome. And uh, George will also be back here tomorrow. Tomorrow we're talking about the future of your commute and working. It looks like the world of work, man. We've been talking about this a lot lately, but uh, some big news fired out of Silicon Valley this last week, and we'll talk about it tomorrow. We'll see you again back here at Money and I almost said Money and Media. That's a FinCon podcast. I, <laughs> I just got done recording for that. This is Money with Friends. We'll see you again tomorrow. See you guys. This show is created and hosted by Joe Saul Cihai and Bobby Rebel, and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2020. Ryan Sini and Nicole Thornhill from Pro Podcast Solutions engineered this show, and Ashley Wall is the producer. 
For a list of the thought leaders who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be a part of the show. As with anything, remember, you shouldn't take advice from any of us or other video or podcasts without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with another episode of Money with Friends. <laughs>